Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Well, thanks for joining us again. We are so glad that you could join us again in regards to this discussion we are having on the biblical roles. And last week we had Ben Russell on and we were talking about the issue of fatherhood and really just more of a personal look at what that looked like for him. And so this week we want to jump into the aspect of being a husband. And really these two dovetail together. As you will remember our episode with Aaron Abbott, we talked about motherhood and then being a wife. And so there's a reason to our madness in doing this and really trying to put these together because in some ways they both go hand in hand. And I'll just say this, I don't think I have to introduce you. If people didn't don't know who you are, they can go back and listen to the first episode and then get caught back up and figure out who you are, but you are, just for basic purposes, our good pastor and our friend here at Westwood Church, so appreciate you coming back and Glad to be here. and talking about these things. Um, just jumping right in to this issue of being a husband, um, you know, we're going to ask right off the bat the kind of similar questions, because I think um, they may have different answers, uh, and maybe they don't, but one being, what persons or person uh, had the most influence in shaping your view of being a husband. As you said before, I'll remind our listeners, you've been a father for almost 20-something, 20-plus years, okay? So you've obviously been a husband for a while. And so what people along the way or even initially really helped kind of formulate what a husband should be biblically or even just on a basic level, you know? Sure. Yeah, you know, so I mentioned last week that uh, my parents got divorced when I was six years old, rather young. And so, you know, my dad was who I looked to as a father. And, uh, you know, predominantly, though, I didn't get to see a husband and wife relationship lived out other Mm -hmm. than – uh, the few times that I got to visit and come to church, I would see men in those in those situations. But it wasn't until I moved in with my aunt and uncle uh, when I was a senior in high school. That was the opportunity I had to see the feet, the rubber meet the road, if you will, right, to uh, what I'd heard from people talking about husbands and wives and what it looked biblically and how that kind of fleshed out. And so being able to just to witness how they interacted with their uh, kids, how they interacted each with each other as a husband and wife, uh, it was it was really a helpful tool to be able to see firsthand. It's interesting, both a husband and father are the same answer, you mm-hmm. know, in regards to that. And thank God for that influence upon your life, for that opportunity to be able to do that, for their willingness to be able to do that. Um, I don't think people realize in our day and age we're pretty selfish, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we like our things, we like our stuff, and we like our time. I like, you know, the phrase, me time. But in order to allow that to happen, a little bit of the hat had to go out the door, you know, in order to have that influence upon your life. Yes. You know, and to have that engagement. Um, and and I I just want to say praise the Lord for that. Because mm-hmm. in some ways, we stand in this, sit in this room and we're all beneficiaries of that. You Absolutely. know, to be your friend, to be also you're a pastor. And so I want our listeners to know, if you got the opportunity and the Lord's calling you to do something like that, do it. You have no idea. We mentioned last week on the whole issue of generational, you know, leadership, development, those type of things, our children, that's huge. You know, if you have the opportunity, do that. And I know there are people in our church 
who would give testament to the same thing. They didn't have that father. They didn't have that mother or whatever. And other people came alongside mm-hmm. and really That's just That's becoming more and more the case. And it is. <laughs> it, it is. is. Yeah. Um, in our culture, with divorce being really rampant um, in among our culture. Anyone else? Uh, you, you, multiple men from our church, right? Just insane. There's that church them. thing again. <laughs> it, it, I, it was the only place that I had, right? Uh, I saw other men from the school I went to, and they were sports dads. I mean, right. they were there at every event, right? And they were present in the lives of their kids. But it wasn't what I saw from the dads who uh, were faithfully attending church. Uh, it wasn't just we're there, we're present. Uh, that's just not enough, right? That's the lowest the bar can go to be a good dad, right? Mm. And so. They uh, to, to exhibit grace, to exhibit how they're handling their kids and interacting with their wives, it, it was a, a testament. It was bizarre. It just wasn't something I was used to seeing. And so I uh, lived within that context where I went back and forth from my parents, and I saw them date different people, right? right. But this wasn't within the context of the church. And so it was just uh, – it wasn't a healthy vision for what it should look like or right. how it should be fleshed out. That's not to say they, they weren't dating good people. They were good, right. moral, upstanding people. But the, the vision for what the husband's role and the wife's role within a biblical context wasn't there. Yeah. I would think there would have been something of an incongruity between what you experienced in your family situation and then later what you saw yes. uh, in – these different venues that you talk about. Yes. An easy example was kind of growing up being latchkey kids where we would come home, we'd have the key, we'd come in, we'd eat our snack and wait for mom or dad to get home. You know, as single parents, they worked all the time. Right. And so being able to be in that atmosphere, this is such a simple example, not even a Christian example, but, you know, come home and have dinner together around a table. Yeah. Just that alone, and to hear uh, somebody go, "What was the best part of your day?" and go around in a circle, and everybody answer that. You know, that again, we're not even talking Christian things. This is just a, yeah. a good family dynamic. But then, obviously, the Christian worldview and the biblical role that they had and carried forward was everything for our life. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, there's a show that my wife and I like. It's called Blue Bloods. Uh, oh, yeah. We kept up on that one. And, of course, Tom Selleck plays kind of the patriarchal leader of that family, you know, which is so foreign to our culture. But the show is fairly popular and continues to get renewed. And one of the things they have on there is a family dinner every Sunday. Absolutely. And they talk about things. And sometimes they disagree about things and discuss things. Sometimes they get a little heated, you yes. know, and then sometimes yes. it's funny. And I think that's a foreign concept to our, our – I think people would love that. They long for that community or that connection. Um, but then what's sad is is I've run into Christian homes where I hear they're not doing that. They're so busy. They're not engaging in that time that they could you know, be intentional. And I'm like, man, if we didn't do that in our home, we might not ever sit down. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's just a lot going on, you know, especially during the summer. So, you know. I, yeah, I, I think we couldn't envision not having dinner together right. at our house. I mean, of course, we did everything together. And I know there's the – there are different degrees of that depending on the family, mm-hmm. but still that that knowledge that this is the way it goes, this routine, this order, this is where we do this and that and talk about this and that. So. But, I mean, what you're telling us, you didn't have that. So to see people who did kind of model that before you was just even beneficial. It, it was it was the most polished star you could <laughs> ever hope to see. <laughs> right, it was right. a polished diamond. Right. It really was. Absolutely. What would you say – you've mentioned this a little bit, obviously, in regards to that time together. 
But is there anything in particular that you would say you learn from these people other than mm-hmm. what you've already mentioned, you know, in regards to those family times around the dinner, et cetera? Yeah. Again, everything was gospel-centered, and so our communication was gospel-centered. Conflict resolution, gospel-centered. Mm. The way we handled money and the way they showed me how to handle money, gospel-centered. Right. Um, everything, right? Uh, spiritual leadership and watching him uh, lead well. We were at church, right? Uh, that was the expectation. There was never a fight. I was a senior in high school. I was 18. Um, I'm six foot three, right? Like right. that could be a tough senior to handle. And he just said, these are the rules. Every morning we're at church and we want you to be there. That's what he said. I knew what the expectation was. And I showed that I wanted This is what there. we do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Here, here's what we expect. Here's where we right. are. And so there was never a well, do you feel like going to church this morning? There was never anything like that. Think you're going to make it? Yeah, and if there was, I probably would have taken advantage of it. You know? Oh, yeah. And so it was simply, this is what's expected. I had no problem with that. And it was such a benefit to my life to have a year. Within that year, I, I had been baptized. Mm. Uh, within that year, I understood why we took communion. Before that, just took it, right? right. I, what you do. Yeah. And so for me, these were invaluable things. I remember a a week where it was simply um, regarding tithing. He said, uh, we're going to try something this week. It's just going to be a fun exercise. You know, we give, you know, obviously there's discussion on the amount, but he said 10%. That's roughly about what uh, you'll hear people give. It can be more, it can be less, but 10%. He goes, that's our finances. What would it look like if we gave 10% of our time? And so he said, we're going to, uh, that that time can be filled with scripture reading, listening to scripture, prayer, uh, having discussions about the Bible as a family, but we're going to do that. And it equaled out to like two and a half, three hours a day. And it was inc- it was the best week. It was an incredible week, you mm-hmm. know, because you were just saturated with the Word. And, uh, you know, it was a great exercise to do and need to do more of it. So that kind of thing taught you something about spiritual leadership than in the home. Absolutely. Yeah. It showed what it meant to set forth a challenge that wasn't just make this many points, right? That's mm. a great challenge, but there's more to right. sports, right? Uh, and so this was a challenge that looked different than anything I'd ever experienced. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just do this. It was, I'm doing this. Just follow, right? right. Just see the example. Yeah. And so there was so much to be said for just the example that was set. Do wow. as I do, not do as I say. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, um, you know, and I think being a husband – it's it's challenging enough when you go in to have the concept if you've been grown let's say you grew up in church all your life you had a father who was in your home and, and led it's challenging enough to go into that but not to have that necessarily and then mm-hmm. to have somebody to be able to model that for you yes is huge um it's a blessing it's a gift from the lord what would you say, kind of pivoting here just a little bit and switching gears, as a as a husband now and over the last several years, and how long have you and your wife been married? 21 years. 21 years. You said that. I couldn't remember. So so for 21 years. So you're 40. Is that correct? 41. Okay. 41 and 42. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm right behind you, bro. Um, so w- what would you say are some of the greatest challenges in being a husband um, leading your home in that way? The greatest challenges for me have been um, self-sacrifice and just being selfless. I'm a very selfish person by nature, and uh, it doesn't take long. I think you're the only one who's selfish. I know. I'm in a room full of selfless (laughs) folks. But, you know, for me, selfishness is something I've just always struggled with. And and, um, 
manipulation, like manipulating even my wife or my kids to get what I want, right? Like there's just, and that's humiliating to admit, but it's a self, it's a self-assessment. That's where I've been in, in certain times and seasons of life. And so those have been the challenges of not just doing what's right to look good or for the wrong reasons, but doing what's right because it's simply what a holy God calls us to, right? right. And so uh, as a as a Christian, I've you just you learn the Christianese and it can be so easy to to play a role, right, for the wrong reasons. And so mm-hmm. those have been challenges. Those have been things that I really have to assess my own heart with and make sure that my heart is doing what it's doing out of a, a good and joyful response, not out of just a um, man pleasing or people pleasing kind of right. a way. It's right. interesting because uh, sometimes when you would ask this question, I might expect someone to say, you know, have a consistent family devotion. That's a great challenge. Well, it was for me. I mean, but you're talking more about your own self mm-hmm. and how you, as you, functions as um, how you function as as the husband of a wife. Mm-hmm. And you go back to your own character. Mm-hmm. Just find that interesting. <laughs> and what you're mentioning also is, I mean, Ephesians, we all know the verse, a husband loves a wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how sacrificial is that, you know? Right. So you really, that's what you're talking about. And and for me, when I pray through these things and work through these things, I'm like, Lord, show me. I don't feel like I'm seeing it. I feel right. like my wife sees it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm seeing it. So how did you work through when you just didn't see it? You know what I'm saying? Maybe your wife points it out, and you're like, I'm not seeing it. Like, mm-hmm. What brought you to the point that, yeah, that's pretty selfish. I need to work on that. For me, there is a, a humbling of understanding that when – and th- th- even a couple years into marriage, uh, I didn't get saved until about a year and a half okay. into our marriage yeah. Yeah. and didn't realize that I wasn't a believer. I was, again, wearing the mask and right. fitting the role and doing the things that I was supposed to be doing. Knew the lingo. but Yes, yeah. but it wasn't a year and a half. And so there was there were tears of repentance, and the tears were out of humiliation <clears throat> of how my sin affected me or right. made me look, right. as opposed to tears of repentance and a contrite heart that was because I sinned against a holy God. Yeah. And so... Uh, for me, it was one of those things where my wife would let me know where she saw selfishness or fakeness, mm. um, and she sometimes it was gracious, and other times it was a ball bat between the <laughs> eyes, and it was needed, right? And uh, I'm, I'm a good justifier, and so after mm. a while, I don't know anything about that? Yeah, <laughs> after a while of many many myself. moments of self justification, <laughs> I started going. This is a godly woman, and when she right. calls this out. And she holds a red flag in the air. Is is she crazy? I, no, you know she's not. And so I saw that time and time again that when she said something, it was worth listening to. And so finally, just got to a place where um, I had seen marriages in our church, and ours was early on. It, it was within about year one. It was it wasn't bad. It was neutral. Mm. And so I had seen what marriages should Sometimes look like. It's worse, exactly. Yeah. And it was. It You're was just coasting, neutral, yeah. coasting, yeah. right? Yeah. Roommates with you know, and so it was one of those things where um, it wasn't until I genuinely started going. I know, at least I've seen marriages not look this way, and why does this one? And so prayed, had seen a sermon, and in that moment, genuinely felt like I had a come to the Lord moment where I genuinely repented, and it was, uh, it was, it was from a contrite heart. It was the way that right. it should be. 
Yeah. yeah that, that selfishness aspect is probably never going to go away. It's that flesh that we're, we're battling Absolutely. against. But I do think it also helps. I've, I've found that if, if I'm going to fight it, i got to ask my wife and not say anything. Right. i got to say, where am I selfish? Where am I not really meeting yeah, your Yeah, sit down and shut up. <laughs> yeah, right. I, gotta right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I'm kidding myself when I'm listening. You know, right. I'm like, you know, that's I the hardest thing to, to do. I For me, say, it I, is. Well, I say, yeah. I want to hear what you have to say. No, I don't. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I you, you talk about the red flag thing, and it, it brought to mind that commercial that ran last year about um, where people in an argument between, you know, a relationship could be a father-son or, you know, a wife and, and husband. And they did have one on the wife and the husband. And it was basically like a, you could throw like your um, red flag that they do in the football mm-hmm. and have a replay to yes. see what actually happened. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is is what the person said happened is what happened. Right. You know? And I almost feel like if we could have the opportunity <laughs> if we could just have to have a replay, replay we would <laughs> right. go, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I was wow. Hey, yes. and, and the wife says, "Look at that again." You said, "No, I've seen it I've once. Seen it. That's I'm enough." Good. Yes, <laughs> you know. And in some ways, we have to almost ask the Lord to do that to us. Just let it be real. And outside of God's grace, my wife and the throwing of the red flags in, in my face, and just allowing. Right. And again, she did it in a gracious way most times, uh, as much as anybody could. Uh, but it was really <clears> what drew me to a place of self-assessment to ask the question: What's what is she seeing that I'm not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that the only challenge, selfishness? Uh, there's been other challenges, but I would say that's probably the uh, hands down biggest one. Um, you know, challenges, uh, you know, you get the financial challenges, but what I noticed that having come to the Lord about a year and a half into our relationship, uh, all the other challenges had a foundation, right? Uh, while there was a challenge, while that was a storm, while that was a trial, the gospel was real. Mm. And so it was something that we both clung to. She clung to it, and I'd said I clung to it, but it wasn't until a year and a half in that I genuinely got it. And that's when the, the penny dropped for me. And so once that happened, um, while there were challenges, it was all in light of the gospel, and it just changed yeah. things. It's interesting you say that issue, and coming back to the issue of selfishness and the, and the gospel changing that, uh, I was actually having a conversation with a family member of yours, uh, Jeff Burden, who's an elder at our church, mm-hmm. and they came over to our house, and we were having a meal, and we are talking about counseling and, and working, because he'd been you know, studying and doing a lot of that. I said, what would you say is like the biggest problem when you go to work on in counseling situations and he kind of stopped for a minute and he thought he goes selfishness and i think that's really the core of what you're talking about Absolutely. is the selfishness you know if you are having trouble with pornography if you are having trouble with money if you're having trouble with all these things that can be confl- con- conflict within the marriage relationship it really comes down to my own selfishness and what mm-hmm. i want Mm-hmm. And I have what? seen the enemy. Yeah, and it is me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm living yeah. with the enemy. I'm, yeah, I'm sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no. So that's good. In some ways, it's all encompassing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You guys challenge me because I come to the Lord's Day every Sunday, and I said, "Oh Lord, here, here I am again. Mm. Here's the same Paula stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confessing." <laughs> Surely you get tired of hearing this. You know, I mean, it's it's same stuff every week. Seems like he doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, so with that said, 
and you have that selfishness piece and it's you feel like that's been the greatest challenge over your marriage both initially and Mm -hmm. continually i would assume um if you had to start over what would you change if I had to start over from being a Christian in my marriage moving forward, because obviously I wish I was a Christian right. that first year. No, and I, have, get that. I get you that. You know, yeah. moving forward, it was probably realistic expectations. Mm. Um, when you say expectations, you mean what you're expecting of her? Yes. What I expected oh, out of, of her. Out of the whole relationship? What and... I expected of me. You know, mm. I had all these, for me, I had all these grand gestures planned out of how I was going to lead my family. Mm. Finally, I've. the. I've come to the Lord. The Lord, we have this relationship. I am saved by grace. I'm getting it. And so now I've got this. Uh, I'm a chart and graph guy. You know me. I'm a list yeah, maker. So yeah. I'm going, we're going to pray here, here, here. We're going to do the Bible here, here, here. And I had all these grand things. and uh, Ivory tower almost. <laughs> ivory tower. And so I don't want to say don't do that yeah, because no. we probably fulfilled 60%, 55, right. 60% of what we, we wrote zero, down. Didn't it? Not too bad. But, yeah. you know, there's that other 40, 45. Well, according to your graph, it's not too bad. And, right. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. And that's why I like pictures, right? It helps right. you see the bigger picture. But, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it helped put in perspective and, and give me something. But I just didn't – it was easy to feel down about the parts that I failed in or didn't accomplish. or And so it was unrealistic expectations. Um and so I don't know if it was unrealistic expectations as much as it was lack of discipline, right? The expectations mm. were good, but my discipline wasn't where it needed to be. The will is present with me, but how to perform exactly. that, which is good. <laughs> and so from my point of view, those expectations, that's what that looked like. From my wife's, it was so unreasonable. I didn't know. Again, I got married at 19, and I just didn't. We went through six pre-marriage counseling sessions, which were great, but that's not enough to set you up, right? Right. And so uh, money, she'd buy, you know, here's this new wife. She wants to nest, and I've got a budget set, and I'm like a legalist, right? Like, I'm like, don't spend a dime over this, and she'll bring home a candle. That was $3, and I'm losing my mind because we don't need a candle, and she's... We only had two cents. (laughs) Exactly. And so just unrealistic expectations, holding her to standards that were unreasonable, and so it was one of those things where um, those were growing pain. I remember one time, this is a goofy example, but we had this card table that we had gotten. It had kind of the foam top on it. And my we were newly married. And uh, so not even a believer yet. But I remember coming home, and she had placemats on this thing where she had made dinner and put it down. And I'm thinking, placemats? That's a weird concept I'm not familiar with. And so like I, I take the bowl up, and I lift up the placemat, and there's a cut on this table. And I go, did you know there's a cut on the table? And she goes, yeah, I accidentally cut it whenever I was cutting something on it, and it was a goofy move. And I thought to myself, why did my wife feel the need to almost hide this cut on a table? Like, what does that say about me? You know, we're still trying to two becoming one, and it's more than just consummation of a marriage, right? It's where do the socks go? Who's got this? And who's doing this? And it's figuring out a lot. And so it was really one of those things that even before I was a Christian made me go, Man, we've got a lot of work to do. If uh, she, I've got a lot of work, to do. My, and that's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it went from we've got a lot of work to do to what's right. wrong with me? Right. I've got a lot For of work sure. to do. Yeah. So, so not only tempering the expectations, but realizing if you want to, for lack of a better term, achieve mm-hmm. a certain sense of uh, not of arrival but growth. There, requ- you, you use the word discipline. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many times when I've engaged with men who are just struggling with, you know. Uh, certain aspects of their home, mm-hmm. whether it be with their wife or their just entire home. I told my guys in my small group, I said, honestly, guys, it begins with us. 
your feet should be the first feet to hit the floor. Absolutely. And I didn't mean necessarily getting up early, but like there's a sense in which you set the, the tone for the day. Absolutely. And for the rest of the week. And, and if you don't, then it's just going to go downhill. You know, if you're the wife's the one that's beating you out of bed every morning. Now, some guys work at night. You know, okay, I it's get that. It's a different story. It's a sure. different story. We all know there's, you know, exceptions to the rule. But if your wife's consistently beating you out and, and taking care of things and you're not really up getting going and being disciplined, mm-hmm. well, now we need to start asking. There's a problem. Yeah, there's a yeah, problem. Yeah, I heard a guy say years ago, and I think he's right. The, the, the person who gets out of bed first sets the tone for the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's one of the things that you would, you know, if you had to start over, you would change is that expectation level and even your own discipline and implementing some of those things. Um, what would you say to encourage senior young men um, and young husbands, as they look to the future, they're in it or they're beginning to go down that process. Mm-hmm. What would you tell them? You know, it, it really jumps right off of where we left, which is uh, being intentional. You know, be intentional. Intentional. Uh, think of the godliest marriage that you know. We, you could ask this to anybody, any Christian across the U.S. to think of any godly marriage that they know and whoever you think of. That godly marriage didn't just happen because they were believers in Christ, right? I mean, it's a part. That's step one. Both be believers, be equally yoked. But uh, there was a lot of intentionality that went into making that marriage what you look at and go. It didn't I, happen overnight. I, that's yeah, exactly that, right. That, that's interesting because there's a, and I won't give him names, but there's a young man who said to another young man I know, "I'd like to have what you have, what you and your father and your and." That guy's reply was, it didn't come without sacrifice. That's right. It's yeah. looking at the big guy in the gym and going, I want what you have. And yep. he's going, well, let's go take some work. Put the donuts away, <laughs> dummy. That's right. That's right. Got the weights. Step one, put that donut down. <laughs> yeah, right. you got to work the muscle. It's got to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. So basically what you're telling them is find that person who emulates what you're looking for and learn from them. And then attach yourself to them yeah, and, and follow them around like, around yeah. like a little it puppy It takes dog. work. It takes sacrifice. <laughs> you know, you need to make sure that your wife feels secure, both emotionally, physically, spiritually. Uh, make sure that she knows you love her. And that and, doesn't mean having a $100,000 job. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Take it from personal experience. That's not what it means, right? right? <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it does mean uh, – the Bible says to provide for your wife. Well, right. it isn't just financially, right? Right, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot that goes into that provision. Uh, make sure she knows that you love her both in word and deed. My wife I, – I tell the boys that. I say, if I were to pass away today, I want you to know that I love the Lord, I love your mom, and I love you guys. And I said mm-hmm. – uh, and, and you know where to find truth moving forward from right. the Bible. And, yep. and men at church, you study it, right? Yep. And so those are the fundamental things that you're – wife needs to hear in ephesians 5 the whole distinction in men want respect women want love right just even seeing that and understanding that um that my wife needs to hear and know that i love her yeah and so there's all those pieces uh making sure my wife knows that i'm thankful for her Uh, that's huge i don't i forget that and i'm it's to my own detriment It's unbelievable. When I get up from the table, or we eat, sometimes we eat in front of the television, we watch a little something while we eat, whatever, (laughs) and my wife fixes something, and I'll say, hey, thanks. Thanks for that. Yes. I remember there's a a father in our church, and uh, I heard him say one time, he said, when we get up from the table, boys just get up and run off. Yes. And he said, hey, guys, this stuff didn't get here by accident. (laughs) That's right. Somebody worked to get it, helped clean it up. 
I saw a Facebook post just the other day. It was just one of those things. It was a picture of a husband and a wife, and it said, uh, you know, she gave up her name for you. She left her home to come live with yep. you. She uh, birthed your babies through much pain yep. for you yeah. uh, so that they could take your name. Uh, she then works. She cleans. She does. And so she's, it just said so much of what she does is for you, to serve you, to love you and yours. And so be thankful. And yeah. I just, it kind of hit me in the yep. head. And said, yeah. and said a lot. Yeah, I think this next kind of statement question here really dovetails nicely into this because what we're talking about is being the spiritual leader of Absolutely. Um, so addressing the issue of spiritual leadership in the home as it applies to the role of husband and father, how would you take that further? Like, how do you do, how do you grow in being a spiritual leader? You know, how do we address that with the men who are listening right now? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that you can say. This is a whole podcast in and of itself, oh, right? Absolutely. What does it mean to be a spiritual leader? But I would say, whenever you yeah, maybe this we question, should do that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to be said. Yeah. So the the fundamental piece. Whenever I read that question, I thought of the example of uh, I just got home from Orlando last week, and I'm on the airplane, and the lady's doing the thing, the stewardess is doing the thing with her hands, and she's showing where the exits are, and she's showing how to uh, uh, you know tighten the seat belts, and then she shows you the little air mask, the oxygen masks that comes down and it's the same script everybody uses it. You. Yeah. she says you know if you, if this happens here's how you put it on but make sure you put yours on before you put those on around you right and i thought what a great example and that's really what it, that spiritual leadership you better have your mask and your source of life on your right. face before you're able to help anybody else in your own home yeah and so that was to me just such a simple example of what it means to first if you're going to be a good spiritual leader uh you better be well fed with the word you better be prayed up you better be in a place and we're not always there none of us are we can all come and say that we missed a week or we could have been better but uh we should have we should we should lament those days right right where they weren't as good as we wanted it's not them to positive be. Yeah. And so I would say step one, make sure you're in the word and prayed up and that you're uh, feasting on what the Lord has for you first and foremost. And that's beyond just extracurricular study. That's mm-hmm. just, you know, being in the word and encouraging. Yeah. Being fed. Yes. I, yes. I would add to that making sure your children see you as leading in the whole aspect of the church. We've talked about that. Mm hmm. That you have men speaking into your life. One of the things that um, I try to go out the door, I disciple some guys or I meet with some guys. And so I try to go out the door quietly early in the morning so that my son doesn't wake up. But sometimes he does. So he wants to come out and wants to wave. He's like, where are you going? And I'm saying, well, I'm going to meet with some guys. And he always, he ha- my son can never takes an ant, like the answer of just, I'm going to go meet with some guys. <laughs> I want not the whole okay with him. That's right. There's more. There's more. It's like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, well, we're going to go study God's Word together and kind of grow together. But I think you have to set that standard. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing. And there's other people speaking into your life. Mm -hmm. I'll also say this. I don't care how old you get. You should have other men who are older than you Mm -hmm. speaking into you. My wife mentioned this to me actually just recently. She goes, what older men are intentionally beyond your father, because I know you spend time with him, What old, or you're just your friends who are your peers, what older men are speaking in your life right now? And I'm like, oh, I mean, they kind of do, you know. I mean, well, we kind of gravitate to the people that are kind of around our age. And it's know? true. Yes. And I realized I don't really have anybody who's doing it in my own life right now. Mm-hmm. So I, that's part of spiritual leadership. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Imitating Christ, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So... 
as we kind of wrap things up here, you know, you come down and, you, you know, you've already mentioned you and your wife are in a different um, time in your life. You know, mm-hmm. your children are beginning to transition out of the home, going to college, dating, potential mm-hmm. marriage, that type of thing. And, and what uh, what are you discovering as you and your wife discover as you transition into that? Mm-hmm. With your children being adults, what are what are the things? Because you might be having somebody listen right now who's in that period in their life, right? You know, so what what are those things you're discovering, growing, and learning in this period of your life? Well, I would say. And I don't know that anybody – so we don't have ever any control, right? We know the Lord's in control, right. and we think we're in control and all this. But uh, it has shown me that when my kids were five, six, seven, eight, when they were in that range, we had a whole lot more control than we do right now. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when we said get up and go to church, they got up and went to church, right? Now they're – you know, 17, 18, and 21. And so we're living in this stage where um, – you know, and one of them doesn't even live with us. He's right, moved right, out, right? right. And he's living, and so it's one of those deals where uh, I'm not calling him. I'm not telling him to set his alarm, right? right. He, he's doing that on his own. Praise the Lord! But I don't have control over that, right? At this point, we're kind of seeing how those seeds have grown that we've planted right. over the years, and we're starting to see what kind of a harvest there is, right? And so the fact that they want to be at small group, the fact that they want to be at church, the fact that they're choosing to spend time with the friends that they choose to spend time with is showing. It's telling, right? Yep. And so um, that's a good thing. That's one of the deals that we're uh, – It's a rejoicing thing. It's a rejoicing, but we're we're realizing – to be more dependent on the Lord is what we're realizing. Mm. Because I have less say. I can make suggestions to these young right. men, but at the end of the day, they're going to choose what path they take. And so I find myself depending on and praying more than I really ever have. It's not a lesser sense of dependency. It's a greater, it's almost a, greater sense of dependency. Mm. And yeah. nobody told me that. I thought it was going to be a lesser <laughs> sense. I thought it was going to be easier, right? Yeah, I actually, I don't get on Facebook almost never now, but while back, I posted something to that effect. First of all, parents will tend to think they failed if their kids don't follow the Lord or if they're not doing exactly what they told them and what they taught them, which is not so right. necessarily so. The other thing is that we do have influence. It's just not the influence of making them do things. It's the influence of going before the, our Father mm-hmm. and praying with all of our hearts that he will make them into the men and women we want them to be. Mm-hmm. And so we we still have a part to play. We're still parents. We just don't do what we did before. And and I would even argue that being more dependent and praying more has yeah. made me a better father than I've ever yeah. been in some yeah. ways. Exactly. Really, well, teach I, me the wisdom of that influence now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I've heard people say we parent in faith, not fear. Mm. So what I'm hearing That's you good. saying is is that as you get older and your children get older and transition. That now that faith aspect is just is increasing all the more. It is, yeah. and I find myself saying, you know, have we been perfect? No, but I can lay my head down on my pillow at night uh, and, and go, have I been faithful? Yeah, and, and the answer is no, no, yes. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, faithfulness. Not perfect, but faithful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and with that in mind, I, you know, people say, you know, God's given you really two good sons, and I say, yeah, He has. And I said, but the the final chapter hadn't been written. And I think I can say this from Daniel here. He knows what I mean by that. I don't mean I don't expect them to live for Christ the rest of their lives. I do. But a lot of 
people have fallen to the wayside. Mm-hmm. But that, that, that means I'm still responsible to go to Christ, to go to the Lord and say, keep these men. As you're keeping me, keep me, keep them. Keep them to you. May they draw closer to you, not draw farther away from That's you. Right. And this is a challenge for us as fathers. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, we've done what we did in the last episode, and that is we just pushed over 30 minutes. So it's very <laughs> easy to do because these are good conversations to have. They're important conversations. We appreciate yeah. it. And thank you. Well, thank you for Lord. taking time out of your busy schedule. We all know you're busy. To talk about these things and let our listeners be able to glean from what the Lord has done by His grace Amen. through your life. I know you and I know this is not about oh do what I do and you'll be amazing successful <laughs> you know, right <laughs> this is really just grace filled conversation that's right um, so thank you for that thanks Amen. for joining us so stay tuned we'll have another guest next week uh, and thanks for joining us thanks everyone so much for joining us today you can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org crosstalk is produced by vision for living ministries a nonprofit organization This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Mm-hmm.